Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So, let's get started. Today, we're going to be looking at Psalms 138 and 139. And I think both of these kind of go together as a pair a little bit. Um, Psalm 138 looks at God's humility. And then Psalm 139 looks at God's knowledge. So these two psalms are really a stark contrast to the kind of the hopelessness of Psalm 137. These psalms are looking, I think, more um, at the nature of God, how wonderful it is uh, to be in His presence. And, of course, Psalm 137 kind of looked at how terrible it is when we are not in His presence. So with that in mind, we'll jump right in uh, with Psalm 138. And it starts off, verse 1, I give thanks, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. It starts off talking about proper worship. I give you thanks. In other words, I'm thankful to you, Father. I pray, I'm prayerful to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. And again, we've been talking about all through the Psalms about the proper start to any kind of worship is a heart, is a proper heart. Worship begins from the heart. It doesn't start uh, as an intellectual process in the mind. It doesn't start with um, uh, just from the mouth, you know, like really uh, wonderful talks or wonderful speeches or empty promises to people or just letting your tongue run off. No, no, no. It starts from the heart inside. And so when we go to worship, we want to prepare our hearts just like we... um, uh, we're um, studying Psalm 133 about how we should prepare our heart when we when we go to church, how we should how we should clear it out, um, and how wonderful worship is when we fellowship uh, together. Um, 
that is um, kind of where the Psalm 138 starts. Preparing our heart to worship with a proper heart. And then it says in the second part of that verse, Before the gods, I sing your praise. Before the gods. What's that talking about? Well, as Dr. McGee points out, um, you can think of it before the gods. In other words, ahead of all the things in your life. Uh, before all the things that you tend to worship that are sort of taking the place of God, you know, whether it's your whether it's your job or your financial situation, your the money that you have in the bank, uh, before all the things that you love to do, like you know, f- you know, cookouts or sports or parties, you know, the things that that you just Worship in your life, the things that are really on your mind all the time. You got to put the worship of God before that with your whole heart, not not half-hearted worship, but wholehearted worship. And uh, so um, that's where that's where uh, David, the, the author of this, says you need to have your heart. And then we look back to Psalm 82, where God says to uh, the judges of the world, He tells them to be careful. Um, He says in verse 6, Psalm 82, verse 6, I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. So he's warning judges that hold um, power over people, especially the needy and the poor. He um, he warns these judges that right now you're you're like gods because you hold power over people. But you got to remember that the Father in heaven, God in heaven, gave the position of power to people over other people. In other words, he gave uh, the, the position of being like gods to some people. And he says, be careful because you're going to die just like anybody else. So before the gods, before people, before the rulers, before the people in authority, if you want to look at it like that, of course, those people, the people in authority, the people who are judging other people, were given their own authority and power by the Father in heaven. So before those people, I sing your praise, or before anything you might worship as a God, I sing your praise. Before all of those things, God wants us to give His whole heart to Him. In verse 2, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Bow down and give thanks to your name. God wants us to worship with a whole heart. And God wants us to worship with a thankful heart. Worshiping with a whole heart is verse 1. Worshiping with a thankful heart is verse 2. We're thankful. We bow down in reverence. And we bow down to what? To give thanks to your name, for your steadfast love, and your faithfulness. We give thanks. We start from a humble heart. Our heart has to be centered on Him. 
<clears throat> and then we give thanks. We give thanks with a whole heart. As it says in verse 1, we bow down and give thanks to your name for your love and your faithfulness. Your steadfast love, that's the love that God had for the whole world. He's working out that love through, the, through Genesis all the way to Revelation. Even though man sinned, man left the presence of God, God had this love for man. And all of this scripture, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, is about God's love for man. And love of the, you know, the old law, which man, which man could not fulfill because of his sin, that Old Testament law was all fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is love. Love fulfills the law. That's what we read about in Galatians. He has steadfast love for us and faithfulness to us. God has more faith in us than we have in Him. He is faithful. He is a faithful God. And He has total love. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. The name of the Lord is above all. And His word, God's word, is, is above all. If you're looking at your Bible, you're looking at His Word. God's Word. God's name in His Word is above all things. <clears throat> so God wants us to worship with a whole heart and a thankful heart. And as we drop down to verse 6, For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haunt He, he knows from afar. Verse 6 tells us God wants us to worship with a humble heart. For all in it, as we look at it again, for though the Lord is high, He's so far above us, we can't even fathom how much uh, distance separates us from the Lord, but yet He wants to be in our presence. He wants us in His presence. So we have to be really, really <clears throat> aware of that, and that should cause us to be really humble. The Lord is high, He regards the lowly, the haughty, or the proud, He knows only from afar. He doesn't want to be close to the proud, He wants to be close to the humble. Now, humility <clears throat> is such a nature of God. When we give thanks to the Lord with proper hearts, with humility, that's the proper way to worship. With all humility. Worshiping God should not be an act of feeling uh, boastful or proud or feeling like when we walk out of church that we are somebody and we look down on those who don't go to church or we look down on those who um, maybe uh, don't have as nice a church as we do or aren't, or maybe they. They aren't studying their Bible like we are, or maybe they're not doing things that we're doing. You know, all these things that, that you think, oh, I'm being a good Christian, and then you're, you're looking down on somebody else, or you're looking at somebody going, oh, boy, they must not be a good Christian. They really need me. You know, it's not about us at all. And if you start feeling that way, you're looking at yourself. You're looking at the mirror more than, more than you're looking at Christ. Proper worship is with a whole heart, 
thankful heart and a humble heart. And it's so important. There's a bunch of verses that we've just got to hit talking about humility, and I'll go through those real quick. James chapter 4, verses 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. In other words, a humble heart. To, res- to revive the spirit of the lowly <clears throat> and to receive the heart of the contrite. That's where God wants to be. That's God's nature. We're looking at the nature of God and its humility. Even though He is so great, who is so high, who is so lifted up, who is so eternal, who is holy. But God's nature to be with those who are lowly in spirit and humble in spirit. That's where God's nature is. Look in Isaiah chapter 66, verses 2. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That's humility. That's where God is looking towards. That's the kind of worship that pleases God. That's the kind of living that pleases God. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be, sub- be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The humble are going to get God's grace. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. There's a hidden person with imperishable beauty, let that person be that humility, that humble person, that gentle person, that quiet spirit. That's precious in God's eyes. That's very Christ-like. Christ is the personification of God. Christ is God on earth. Christ was humble. He was gentle. He was quiet. That's the nature of God. 1 Peter chapter 3, same chapter, down to verse 8. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. You know, that's the only way you can show God's love to other people is with with your humility. Why? Because if you're trying to love one another, if you're trying to help one another, you should... Understand that any help you give to somebody else is probably help you need yourself at some point. 
It's not like you're giving help because you're any better than anybody else. Keep yourself in perspective. Keep your heart humble. So, the last verse back in Psalms 138 The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. We keep hearing this, you know, the steadfast love enduring forever is really a common, common thing that we've been reading about. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. That is a very forward-looking part of this psalm tacked on at the very end. As we worship God with with our whole heart, a thankful heart, a humble heart, we should also keep inside our heart a heart looking towards God's purpose. A heart. And as you look at it, in verse 8, a faithful heart. We've talked about the, our whole heart. We've talked about a thankful heart um, in verse 1 and verse 2. In verse 6, a humble heart. And now in verse 8, a faithful heart. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, enters forever. And we've been saying that God, in verse 2, your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Well, God is faithful to us. And as the psalm concludes, we need to have a heart that's faithful right back to Him. And our faithfulness back to God, our love for God and our faithfulness back to God is that When we have that faithfulness back to Him, God can fulfill His purpose for us in us. His steadfast love will endure forever in us. His Holy Spirit will endure forever in us. We have a God of steadfast love and faithfulness to us that's filling our heart, all of our heart, Let us be thankful for it. Let us be humbled by it. And then let us be changed through our with faith. A faithful heart, our faithful heart, can allow him to fulfill his purpose. The Lord will fulfill his purpose. That's faith. Faith that he can do it. And as it is said, uh, and Dr. McGee says, uh, this is another way of saying what's in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This is a thanksgiving prayer that Paul's writing and Timothy's writing. In chapter 1, he's saying he's being thankful Um And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's faithfulness. That's faithful service. And that's how Psalm 138 concludes. This is a worship psalm, a heart of 
wholeheartedness, a thankful heart, a humble heart, and a faithful heart. What a beautiful, beautiful, encouraging psalm. Now we'll jump down to Psalm 139. Again, another psalm talking about the nature the nature of, of God. And this, you probably, it's such a famous psalm. There's, it's just so encouraging. I'll read it really quickly. Verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. This psalm is talking about uh, the knowledge of God. Okay, we talked about God's humility. Now we're talking about the knowledge of God. And He knows you and me. Let's see how much He knows you and me. Verse 2, You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. He knows everything that you're doing. He knows your day. He knows when you get up. He knows where you're walking. He knows your thoughts. Even from far off, He knows your thoughts. Even before, verse 4, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. In other words, did you ever did you ever feel like you wanted to say something and then held your tongue because you thought, no, I better not say that. That would be rude. Or you know what? I'm thinking of something, but I'd never say it because it's a rude thought. Ooh, I don't want to say that. You know, And you kind of filter yourself before people. And you kind of think to yourself, man, sometimes if people only knew what I was thinking about them or they wouldn't like me so much. But you kind of have that safety filter on. God knows all that. He knows you inside and out. He knows you even before you even say a word. And He knows your thoughts even before you start to say a word. Verse 5, You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. He made you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. You want to explain how God knows all your thoughts even before you think them? I can't explain it. The psalmist can't explain it. Nobody can explain it. David, who's writing this, can't explain it. But it's true. God has that knowledge. Now, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? So, God knows everything. His, his, he is all knowledgeable. Now, we're going to look at it that he's all present. Verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? Like he's saying, I can't, there's no way I can get away from your presence. Even if I wanted to. Verse 8, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, well, that means the grave. If I just go down to the grave and live there, you're there. God is everywhere. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Wouldn't it, Do you ever think, like, wouldn't it be interesting if you could just, you know, get a set of wings and just leave whatever you're doing today and just fly around the world and see what everybody's doing? Or if you could breathe inside the water, you could just go down and swim around like a fish and see what they're doing down there or fly around or maybe go to the moon or go throughout the universe. Or, you know, wouldn't it be cool to be on a rocket ship and just zoom around and just see all these great things or then just come back and fly around, check out the pyramids and then fly around and check out, you know, some of the wonders of the world and just have a wonderful day? God would be everywhere you could go. You could. God is sovereign over everything. If you did all that. 
so you don't have to worry about doing it because David's saying he's already there. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me being night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for the darkness is, is as light with you. Even the darkness, God, God knows you in the darkness. The darkness won't cover you from God. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God knows us before we're even born. God made you even in the womb. He put you together. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, your life matters. God knows you before you're even born. He made you. Your life has purpose. You are made with love. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. Do you want to not, do you want to read a verse that just blows your mind? Boom! It blows my mind right here. Verse 16, just I mean, verse 13, 14, 15, and 16 is talking about you being made and God knowing you even before you were born. <clears throat> but verse 16 just blows my mind. It just blows me out of the water. <clears throat> Before you were even formed, before your body was even formed, God had every one of the days you're ever going to live already written down. Even before you had lived one day. That is powerful stuff. Before you were even formed. And Dr. McGee points out, that you know this these verses here talking about how people are uh, how precious human life is how precious life is how precious a child is being made in the womb god already knows you not only does that god already knows you before the the little embryo is formed we're even formed in the womb he even knows us so much that he knows every single day it's already recorded it's not this ambiguous thing. It's not this ambiguous thing that God's going to make you and just let you live your life and you're going to do what you want. God's got you down. He's made you. He knows every single day you're going to live. He's already got that down. He's already recorded it in a book. That's so wonderful. I can't even explain it. I can't even hardly get my head around it. But it's in there. David's written it down. God's using David to write it down for us. And Dr. McGee points out, if you're trying to think about abortion, that it's okay to kill a child, to kill a baby, you know, that's really murder. According to this, blame it on David for writing it down like that if you want. But that's God's word. 
it just shows you that if there's any question about God being in control, if there's any question about God's authority over life itself, this, this should put that to rest. Life is not an accident. Life is not random chance. God knows you. He already knows your days. It's already written down. Can you get your head around that? I can barely get my head around that. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts, O God. I mean, you want to know what God thinks and His knowledge? He already knows every single person, every single day that they're going to live. How precious is that? How vast is some of them? I can't even imagine all of the different people that have been born or being born today. He already knows them and their lives. We can't get our heads, we cannot get our heads around those thoughts and how vast that is. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. Now the psalm takes a little turn now. It's talking about people who reject God. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. Sinful, wicked people who don't acknowledge God. Now, they speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. You know, it's like we have just studied how great God is. We have just studied how good God is and how much God knows about us. That He is everywhere. He has all knowledge. He has all presence. He has all power. And He has all authority over our lives. How amazing He is and what knowledge He has. And then it's like there's still people who reject Him. And He's saying sin is in the world, and God is so holy, He hates sin. Verse 21, Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? This is David. David hates sin. David fought. He was a warrior. He fought against people who were battling the nation of Israel. He fought, he put his life on the line over and over and over, fighting the enemies of the Lord. And he hated them. I, and he says, um, verse 22, I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Okay. So David is saying how he hates those who oppose the Lord. He hates the sin. This is not calling on people to um, um, go out and murder people that you hate or anything like that. But this is um, this is um, 
wickedness and sin is completely opposite from the love and the goodness of the Lord. And um, David then um, says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 24, And see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God opposes sin. The presence of sin in the world leads to death. Um, God has so much love for us. He has so much. Uh, he cherishes us so much. This whole psalm is dealing with, with God's knowledge for us. And uh, there's life. That's where life is. Life is with the Lord. Anything that opposes the Lord really leads to death. And we should we should have sober hearts and minds and really despise sin. Any little sin that came into the nation of Israel resulted in um, division and ultimately the destruction of the nation for a period of time in Israel. Any little sin that came into the world with Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 resulted in so much death, so much misery, so much um, heartbreak and tragedy in this world. The presence of sin in this world destroyed paradise. Um, it, it removed man from God's presence. And when you let your heart appreciate just how uh, precious we are in God's sight and how just a little bit of sin will remove God's presence from us will allow us to understand how much we should hate sin in the world. And how much we should um, center our hearts and uh, our hearts on God. And as David says at the end, just search me, search my hearts. You already know my heart. You already know my thoughts. And continually work on me. Try to clean me out. Try to clean my heart so that I can, I can follow you. You can lead me in the way everlasting. In the, in the, let me walk, and, and as the, as the gospel would say in Galatians, let me walk by the Spirit and with the Spirit. Lead me as the shepherd would lead his sheep. So I hope Psalm uh, one thirty nine was encouraging. Uh, about the wonderful knowledge of God. And Psalm 138 was encouraging to you about God's humility and how that affects our worship. So this is the part where I will turn the podcast over to my partner in Zambia, Matali. Matali, once again, I hope you're doing great. Um, I will see you, everyone, next time. And uh, take it away, Matali. And for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time.
So today's teaching is coming from Psalms 138 through Psalms 139. And to me, the the thing that stood out in today's psalm is from Psalms 138 verse 6. And it reads, Though the Lord is on a high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. So, uh... <laughs> This particular chapter stood out to me um, because it talks about humility. And, um, you know, as Christians today, we're supposed to be humble uh, before God. Only then we were brought to a higher place. So God wants us to go to a lower place in order for, us to, in order for him to bring us to a higher place. So, um, you know, humble yourselves under the hand of God. And... Uh, you know, Jehovah is is the overall, but um, he will condescend for the humble. Um, for this is also written in scripture. If we go to First Peter chapter three, verse four, um, it reads. Sorry, let me just look for First Peter. Um, so First Peter. Chapter 3, verse 4, it reads, Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So this also translates in, um, rather let um, it be hidden in a, you know, in a humble person. Um, God will uplift the humble and um, the meek, um, which is very precious in the sight of God. So let us humble ourselves as Christians, as good Christians today. If we also look at Isaiah 66, which reads, um, Thus says the Lord, heaven to my throne, and earth is my, heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool, where the house that you will build me, and where the place of my rest, for all those things my mind has made and all those things exist says the lord but on this one will i look on him who is poor and of contrite spirit and who trembles at my word so god looks to the humble and um those people who have got humility so if we proceed in today's teaching psalms 138 it's a hymn of praise that looks um, to the time of the remnants when they when uh, God's people went back to uh, to the Lord um, when they pledged allegiance and and they repented. So it's it starts with um, I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praises. To you, I will worship you towards your holy temple. So, um, you know, God wants us to have heart service and not just lip service when worshiping Him. So, um, you know, what's the point of actually going to church um, to just follow rituals, being ritualistic and churchistic, as Dr. J. V. McGee put it? Um, what's the point of waking up 
every Sunday and, you know, you go sing, sing the hymn, you sit and just listen and, you know, you, you give lip service to the Lord when you are not doing it entirely from the heart. That's a total waste of time. Um, God wants us to worship him and praise him um, with all our hearts and, um, and not just give him lip service. So, um, you know... I think, you know, as, as, as Dr. J.V. Maggie put it, he put it rightly. He says, we should go to God on Monday morning and ask God for forgiveness for going to church and just giving him lip service. And, and, and you know, God's not mocked. Uh, you cannot just go and, and say, oh, hey, I took this Sunday off and I went to church. And, um, you know, I, 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 I praise, I, 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 I said the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, you say it without even, um, you know, like, understanding it and 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 taking it to heart so um <clears throat> you know um we're supposed to you know stand in the place of god here on earth like we're supposed to worship god with all of our heart and not just um pay lip service which is pointless in the end so verse 2 of Psalms 138 reads, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. So, um, you know, God's word is as good as God is. You know, whatever scripture says um, about God, how wonderful and magnificent he is, that's as wonderful as God is. It's, it's um you know it's 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 even um like dumbfounding to actually like wrap our heads around it on how good God is and how 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 merciful he is but um you know his name is uh is is um is greatest above all names and um um you know it's it reads for you have magnified your word above all your name so um god is good and he is um he is the lord of lords and the king of kings if we drop down to verse um 6 of psalms 138 it reads though the lord is on high yet he regards his lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. So this verse is what stood out to me was about humility. Like I said it in the beginning, you know, um, scripture shows that God regards um, humility. He will lift the humble and he He will keep the proud at afar. He, um, <coughs> so verse 8 um of Psalms 138 reads the Lord will perfect that which concerns me and your mercy O Lord endures forever do not forsake the works of your hand so this um you know he that has begun good works in you will preserve it till the end so um, God, this looks at, um, 
God and his works and what he he would want for us his children you know he he begins good works and um if we are faithful and truthful to him and we are humble as Christians he will preserve this until um the end of time so he he that has begun the good works in in you and me uh will preserve it till the end of time <laughs> So Psalms 139 is a theological psalm. It relates to the attributes of God in relation to his creation. So Dr. J.B. McGee put it in three, uh, uh, regarded um, God in, in, three, in three contexts. And this was uh, the omniscience, the omnipresence, and the omnipertinence. So, um, so this was um, the knowledge the power of God, the knowledge of God and, um, the presence of God and the power of God. So, um, you know, the omniscience of God, that's, um, verses one to six of Psalms 139. So God knows you and me, um, and, um, he saved you and me, even if, even though he, he knew you and me, like he knows what was in our hearts. So, um, he knows us from, he knows what we're thinking. He knows us from the time of, 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 of conception and all. So it reads, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought um, afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, for you are not a word on my tongue. Be but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before, and you laid my hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. So God knows us no matter what. He knows us, um, you know, back to front, sitting up, standing up, sitting up, standing, sitting down, standing up. God knows us. So that's the... Um, omniscience of God that's the knowledge of God um and God knows us so well um that he knows what's in our heart good or bad um you know wicked or holy but he he did send his son to die for us even if he knows us that's how wonderful God is um so verses 7 through to 12 looks at the omnipresence of God so um, it looks as at us as human beings we can't get away from God God is our creator no matter where we go we may go to the moon we may go to the deepest deepest of oceans but God um, his his omnipresence is around us and um, we can never get away from him and it reads where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence if I ascend into heaven you are there if I make my bed in hell behold you are there if I make the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead lead me and your right hand shall hold me if I say surely the darkness shall fall on me even the night shall be light about me indeed the darkness shall not hide from you but the night shines as you, the day the darkness and the light are both like you so um this looks at you know god's presence is everywhere we cannot run away from god god is our creator this is how powerful god is he is the omnipresence he is the omniscience he he has knowledge about us he is the omnipresence he is all over uh, no matter where we go. So um, 
you know, the last context is the omnipotence of God, which is from verse 13 through to verses 24. And, um, you know, it looks at the power of God. It looks at um, God will judge the wicked um, in the time of the great tribulation. He will come and judge the sinners. So it, uh, it reads, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my soul knows every my no, my soul knows very well my frame not was not hidden from you when i was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were, were they are all written the days fashioned for me uh, when as yet there were none of them so god knows us very well even from the time of conceptions when when we are when we are barely formed, we're already uh, written in, in the book. Uh, when we're just conceived, we are already written in the book of God. So um, this psalm finishes off with Psalms 24, which reads, And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. So, um, you know, God is good. He will come and judge uh, the living and the dead. And... Um, you know, he will come and judge um, um, the wicked. So this is the power of God. This is how, how much God knows us. This is the omnipotence of God. So God is the omniscient. God is the omnipresence. And God is the omnipotence. So God knows us um, very well. And uh, he knows us from the time of conception. He, he, we cannot uh, run away from God. God is everywhere. He is the creator. And um, God has knowledge about um about us um our inner thoughts um he knows what exactly we're going to do he knew what exactly judas was going to do he knew how peter was going to turn out god this is why god um you know there's a purpose for everything that god does for everyone that god puts points out because he knows he has a reason he knows um each and every one of us inside out so um yeah this is today's teaching thank you everyone for listening god bless and bye-bye